Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. I am here today with Dr. Flora Sinha, who is an internist practicing in Southern California. She has a special interest in mindset change that she really discovered with her struggle with infertility, and she shares so beautifully and openly on social media. And she really um, does a great job of inspiring fellow physicians around the, around the country, really. So welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Appreciate it. So I, I really just kind of like just to jump right in and just ask what your most pronounced struggle with imposter syndrome has been. You know, I started suffering from imposter syndrome. I think it, it basically out of was out of a cultural difference. Um, I had strict immigrant parents. Um, I really battled finding my identity among you know, vast cultural differences and expectations, the pressures were always a little bit different. And it was a cultural norm to be uh, compared to others and achieving perfection in everything we do. And it almost became embedded into me and I carried it over to everything, everything from looks to uh, career to friendships, relationships. It's funny how it kind of seeps into everything you do. Yeah. I, the comparison thing is, has, I think, has been a theme for many of us. How have you found your ability to break from that? It took a long time, well into my adulthood. Yeah. Um, and, you know, realizing that we all have our own journeys, whether it's academically or personally, and we all are striving to do our best and be our best, but we have different paths to, to be there and get there. Uh, especially, like I said, comparing myself to others really was so time consuming and it didn't bring me forward or up from anything. It actually brought me down and embedded into different other, uh, other personality traits of mine. Yeah. And I think I'm just kind of thinking now when we compare ourselves, it's never to anyone who we consider to be our equal or to be like, you know, quote unquote, below us. It's always these people who we've like placed on a pedestal and we think that they're perfect. And it's almost like we're doing it to continue the beat down on our own self-esteem. Yeah. It's a weird cycle. And also, you know, especially in medicine, we're, we're pitted against each other, right? Everything Mm -hmm. is a competition. Um, You have to do the best and be the best. And um, it, in the end, we're all trying to be just good doctors and, and take care of our patients. And, you know, how much farther we come by working together, it, it, it's such an important, strong realization of mine that I wish, you know, had occurred much earlier. Did you have your issues with imposter syndrome more as a resident or more as an attending? Oh, good question. I think um, definitely as a resident. Um, I was timid. I was anxious. Um, I had incredibly low self-esteem, and I think my I think it stemmed from my phobia of failure. I, I uh, whether it's big or small, and that led to such severe insecurities. And it showed. It showed in my mannerisms. It showed in how I presented, um, and in turn, that is how people treated me. And then it confirmed my thoughts. So it was just a weird cycle in residency. I think as an attending and and different life events also uh, impacted the way I looked at myself, the way I looked at my colleagues. It was a um, 
just a, a more harmonious environment after attending or after residency. Yeah. Uh, because we weren't, it was not a competition anymore. It, it was, right. you know, let's bounce ideas off of each other. Let's um, help patients together. And I'm not blaming my residency program. It was just the way we were all conditioned mm-hmm. to be. Um, so yeah, definitely during residency. Yeah. Did you find that in residency, like the expectation was perfection instead of a culture of learning? I don't think in the residency program that I went to, I I don't think that was the intention. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like I said, because we were all to a certain extent conditioned that way, right? And medicine is is competitive anyway. Um, Since high school, you know, people are thinking about, um, you know, what they need to do to get on their resume and, Mm and all all the list of things and grades and classes. It's like, you know, you can't only meet that check mark list. You have to do and then some. Mm-hmm. And whoever meets that criteria gets into their school, gets into their program, gets into their research projects, whatever you're going for. So I think we were just all conditioned that way. And I don't think it was ever intentional. And, and um, even just with our test-taking culture, mm-hmm. still, it's a competition. We're graded. We're numbered. We're ranked. Yeah. Um, I think all of that just fosters competition and, you know, there, there has to be some way to get participants and applicants in and, right. and rank them, but, um, and other residency programs I'm sure are, are worse and more intentional. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I'm sure exactly they exist. When it comes to this fear of failure that you mentioned, how have you been able to combat that in your career? I failed yeah. and realized that <laughs> you didn't die. <laughs> realize that you know what everything is okay the world is okay and you know owning those failures and and I'm not saying you know that they have to be huge catastrophic failures but for me uh, any anything as far as like not answering the question fast enough Mm -hmm. compared to a a co-resident or a a med student of mine you you know little things like that they just tend to stack Mm -hmm. um and so I think by owning my, my quote failures and learning from them, I think was the more important realization. Continue to make mistakes. I, that, that's the true embarrassment, not the fact mm-hmm. that I made the mistake in the first place. Right. It's helped, that's helped me so much. Even recently, my, my imposter syndrome came to a head as an attending more than a resident. But this okay. recognition that a failure doesn't need to mean that I'm unworthy or decrease my value, which I thought it did. But in fact, it's an opportunity to learn. And just that simple shift of what can I learn from this has made a huge impact on my quality of life and my, my, and my ability to overcome those failures more. Yeah. And I think it also pushes us to try to achieve more and go for more as well. Um, when you start telling yourself that you don't belong or you're not good enough, you're here by mistake, you're not you're not giving yourself credit for all the hard work that it did take to come here. And so once you start changing your expectations that, you know, no one's rise to success is ever perfect. Everyone talks about when they're at their mark, but not the journey there. And I think, you know, now that with all, a lot of us out in social media doing podcasts like you are, I, I think it's really great for people who are struggling with this in, in a variety of fields. Mm-hmm. to really relate and, and say, 
it's okay to feel this way, but what am I going to do to change it? I think it's so important to realize that. And in hindsight, again, I I wish I realized the fact that an imposter syndrome thing was a thing because I I thought that was just the way I was. (laughs) Right. You just have these thoughts that you think that are only your thoughts. Like I'm not good enough. I don't belong here. When in fact, it doesn't occur to you to just not listen to that thought. You don't have to listen to it. Yeah, I was shocked to to find out the number of successful, at least in my eyes, perfect, mm-hmm. successful, um, not only physicians, but entrepreneurs. I, I mean, so many people at their peak, yeah. what they endured to get to that. Because like I said, no, a lot of people don't talk about that, right? You, you see the the shininess and the glitters and all of that when when everyone's at their peak, but it takes a lot of grit and hard work and failures to get to that place. For sure. For sure. And I think it's that it's, it's that mental muscle of not listening to the doubts because everyone has them and then just doing things anyway. That's really the difference. It's not that the successful or perfect people out there don't have those thoughts. It's just that they do it anyway and they don't listen. And I think that's the like very simple transition that we don't utilize enough in medicine. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm going to add an extra layer to that. I think it's also important that to know that the imposter syndrome or those thoughts will probably never go away. Mm-hmm. We always get those thoughts creeping back in like, you know, I'm maybe I don't even belong here or maybe, you know, I don't know why um, I was asked to do this. I don't know why that person's making that comment. But in order to, to get past it, you have to recognize it. And then mm-hmm you know, t- not talk yourself out of it, but acknowledge it. As recently as a couple weeks ago, I was asked to um, be interviewed about my my COVID experience as a frontline healthcare worker. Yeah. Just for a split second, I, you know, I said to myself, you know, I, I don't have those sensationalized stories. I'm not an ER physician. I'm not a mm-hmm. hospitalist. I'm not even an urgent care doctor. I'm a primary care doctor, still a frontline worker, but mm-hmm. I'm like, my story isn't as sexy as, you know, all of these yeah. other, you know, uh, stories out in the media. And then I thought to myself, you know what, I'm such an integral part of, of all of this that I'm helping my colleagues literally on their front lines, yeah. um, making sure that they are able to concentrate on what they need to do, their own job for the sickest of the sick. So, you know, it, it doesn't stop. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You're right. Important to acknowledge and move forward from that. Yeah. And I think that it's actually impossible to over, to truly break free of imposter syndrome without that very integral first step, which is acknowledging the thoughts that you have and realizing that you don't have to believe them. Yeah. And I, I also think, you know, we mentioned um, when our imposter syndromes peaked, I think it's also important to to realize that you're, you know, what environment you're putting yourself in. Um, you know, even as an attending, I, I realize what a, a supportive medical group I'm that really um, make me feel my best and make me do my best versus, you know, other scenarios that may have not been as supportive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't mind, I want to dive in a little bit to the, you know, to the mindset changes that you've made. And I realized that that stemmed from more of a personal experience, but how has that changed you professionally? 
Yeah. Um, so with my infertility journey, uh, um, for whoever does follow me on Instagram, obviously I, I had multiple unsuccessful transfers and, um, suffer from secondary infertility. And, you know, that was probably my lowest point, um, to the point where I had to change my mindset and approach the situation completely differently. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it made the outcome any different, yeah. but, um, you know, it, it made me realize that situations are going to come and go and mm-hmm. if you internalize it or, you know, flip it from the negative perspective, it, you're not going to gain anything from it. And yeah. so I carry that over professionally. If there are specific tasks or, or things or projects that I'm yearning for, or I'm trying to shoot for, and if they don't happen, it's just another thing that didn't happen. And I'm a big believer in um, letting things take its course. Mm-hmm. I like for things to occur organically. Obviously, there's a certain amount of hard work that goes behind it. But mm-hmm. if something's not meant to be, you know what, there's a sense of peace that I have to have with that. And I think that was my, my biggest turning point with through secondary infertility and my IVF journey, that I, I can't change what's meant to be, but I can definitely spin it into something that will benefit me and my family. Yeah, for sure. That's really, it's such a beautiful lesson. And I think as as physicians in particular, that giving up of control is a huge challenge, but you need to, I mean, certainly you need control in certain situations, but in others, you do need to kind of be able to like let go and realize that there are many things that are out of your control. Absolutely. And in whatever we can control, we try to, but um, yeah, like I said, there's a certain sense of uncertainty um, in life and it's okay to, to, to kind of go with the flow with that. Yeah. I like, yeah, exactly. And when things, when you recognize that whatever it is, is out of your control and then realizing that what is within your control is how you look at it and how you use that in your future that almost makes you feel free, you know, like you get a freedom from that. Absolutely. It, it, it takes away a certain sense of pressure. Yeah. Uh, and this, I don't know, it's like a weight off your shoulders. It's, it's pretty incredible. And I, I really hope, you know, a lot of people get to that place because yeah. it's so freeing. And even a lot of their secondary reactions, emotions, all the, the, the quote, bad emotions, right? Jealousy, envy, anger, um, all of those stem from something. And I think it stem, a lot of it does stem from your own insecurities, which we all have. It's okay. It's normal. It's human. But um, in order to, to get past that and to have that freedom that you were talking about, it's important to acknowledge it and figure out how to kind of distance yourself from that. Exactly. And I think it goes back to that fear. I think so many things that, that cause those negative emotions have to do with our fear of something. Yeah. whatever it may be and recognizing what the fear is and then re- asking if it even makes sense to be afraid of this thing can really right. be helpful. And I think I've also used a little, <laughs> I've learned to make fun of myself a little bit more because um, <laughs> I used to be so embarrassed from just being wrong or being corrected. It was, it, I don't know, looking back at my, as how I would act as a child in response to that, it was just, mm-hmm. It's. I almost laugh at it because they they were just non issues, non situations, and so I think putting a little bit of humor um, puts a nice spin on life. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I think that's so true. 
And, you know, especially you can um, probably can relate to this as a mom, but teaching that to your kids or like that, even tonight, my daughter was saying how like Elsa from Frozen, <laughs> I'm sure you know it, <laughs> how she's so perfect. And I was trying to tell her, like, she's like a four-year-old trying to tell her five, she five now? Yeah, five. Like, there's no perfection that doesn't exist. And even I, cause I, cause I, for one, didn't, I thought that perfection was the goal for so long. And I'm just trying to t- turn that around for, for her. That's really, really important to, to realize. Yeah. Because our kids, um, they soak up everything that we're doing mm-hmm. uh, and they really look at our behaviors. And it's funny that you mentioned your daughter because we were, um, we're working towards the same thing with Gia. Mm-hmm. Um, she lately we realized that she has become upset with herself when she does something yeah. correctly or, you know, she didn't listen to instructions correctly. And, um, a part, a part of it is also our response, right? We need to make sure we give our kids grace and ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because we've been battling with something very similar in the last couple of weeks and it's time that we take our own advice and apply it to yeah. our kids. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And I can tell her all I want that there's no such thing as perfection, but me yeah. showing that is going to, what really is going to hit home for her, you know? Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. Um, There are times where, I mean, especially in the last six weeks, you know, with our coronavirus pandemic here, Mm -hmm. um, perfection is so not even on my list. Right. Right. (laughs) Let alone. And, you know, I think it's important to convey that to our family that, um, you know, there are other things that we value, especially now that we have our Mm -hmm. health, we have have shelter, we have food. I mean, those are the basics I never thought I would be so thankful for. just puts things into perspective. Perfection wasn't going to bring, you know, that, that sense of appreciation. Right. I just like to end with asking you, those young physicians or residents out there who are feeling that burden of perfectionism or imposter syndrome, what would you say to them? I probably would say, you know, we all have our own journeys, um, but we've been there. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I see you. I, I know you've made it really, really far already and you have so much more ahead of you, but trust yourself. Um, make sure you take some time to find yourself and just be yourself. All of us in the medical field have a sense of grit and capability and determination, but it's also okay to make mistakes and have vulnerability um, because it takes all of that to be successful. And everyone's definition of success is different, but um, yeah, to just keep chugging in there and chugging along and making sure that you take the good with the bad because they're equally important. And I love the point you just made about success. And I think that's half the battle is defining what success means for you on a personal level instead of looking for that externally. Yeah. And especially nowadays where things are are so accessible um, when it comes to comparison, um, Mm -hmm. someone else's success is definitely not yours. That is not what's going to bring you joy and contentment. And those are strong values that we need to strive for, which definitely gets lost when it comes to the game in medicine and journey to wherever you want to go, you know, without, within your life. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Flora, for your time. Um, Appreciate it. I think this is good. I think people need to hear it. So I'm excited.